Hi, and welcome to Stressed, the podcast to develop your stress resilience. Being ambitious and successful while living a happy life is possible. Learn how you can better cope with stress in day-to-day -day situations by applying tools and techniques that work for you. My name is Julia Arndt, and I'm extremely grateful that you decided to check out my podcast today. Let's get started. Hi. Hello. And welcome back to Stressed. Um, that's my podcast, um, Stress Develop Your Stress Resilience. And I am super excited to have my very first in-person interview guest yes. in my house. Ben, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a beautiful home and I'm super excited to be meeting you in person. Yes, so. me too. Thank you so much for coming to Tarn City um, and joining me for a podcast interview. And yeah, let's introduce you a little bit. Who are you and what have you been up to today, maybe? Let's start with today. Um, so I'm actually on vacation. Uh, I actually live in Boise, Idaho. Um, on vacation in Reno and Tahoe, but uh, I, a little bit about me is I have a podcast called Shut Up Brain, and so I help people with anxiety, with stress, with, with sleep, uh, confidence, things like that. Mm -hmm. I also have my own YouTube channel too. So mm -hmm. Very cool. Okay, so you already answered my second question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So you are doing a YouTube channel as well on anxiety and depression. That's kind of how, I've, how we found each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and today we want to speak about a couple of different things, I would say, because you have, I think, a wealth of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I want to tap a little bit into into what you know and what you've been using over the last couple of years, maybe, as well. Yeah. Um, so maybe let's start a little bit with your story. I'm really curious about that. Um, what has made you to start a podcast on anxiety and the YouTube channel? Like, how did that happen? What is the story behind that? So uh, I used to be a medical hypnotist with my own private practice. And when I was seeing clients in person, I would um, sell a lot of people for anxiety specifically, and also things like fears and phobias and, and different stuff like that, confidence building. I also saw a lot of athletes too. Mm -hmm. And when I decided to close down my business, I still had all of this knowledge and all this desire to help people, mm -hmm. like especially help people at scale. Because helping people one-on-one, -on -one, like in your office, it's great, but like a lot of these ideas are universal and can be applied to all sorts of different things. Mm -hmm. So I decided I'm going to start a podcast to just fill this need of myself. Um, and then it sort of took off. And I've had some experience with YouTube in the past where I had a YouTube channel where I was throwing knives and just riding motorcycles and fun stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and so I decided uh, I'm going to start the YouTube thing. And uh, so far, my channel is not as popular as the motorcycle riding channel, but sure. uh, <laughs> hopefully it will help more people in the long run. Okay. <laughs> so that's like my story in a nutshell. Okay. <laughs> and um, so a medical pra practice with a combination of hypnosis. Mm -hmm. um, so what did you learn? Like what is your... In what did you educate on or what is kind of your background from an education perspective? So um, I went to a school called HPTI, which is the Hypnosis Practitioners Training Institute. I mm -hmm. focus specifically on hypnotherapy. And cool. when it comes to hypnotherapy, a lot of people will think um, hypnosis is probably not real. I thought that at first too. So like, uh -huh. I don't blame anyone for, for thinking that. Uh -huh. um, but I heard a radio interview of a hypnotist in... Um, Australia who said that he helped um, cancer patients and burn victims with pain control and quality of life um, and I was like wow I didn't think you could do 
real things with hypnosis. I thought you could just like make people cluck like chickens mm -hmm. and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I decided to got I got really interested in it, and there's a couple different um, varieties of hypnosis. There's like past life regressions, and there is um, kind of more energy sort of things. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't drawn to that nearly as much as the mindfulness base, the scientific base, the pain control sort of thing, helping mm -hmm. people with anxiety, stuff that had um, as much research behind it as possible. Yeah. Um, and so in my practice, I, I did a lot of things that were backed by science as well as um, hypnosis and stuff like that too. But I just really like to have data behind what I was doing because yeah. that way, you know, it's actually, it's going to be most likely that it's going to work. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> And so how would a session be like? Would I come to you as a client and then you would hypnotize me and then we would work on, for example, my anxieties or pains or things that I'm experiencing? Yeah. So you would come into my office and we would talk for like an hour or so. Okay. Um, I, I would try and help you with your, or find out more about your problem. And then the last 30 minutes was the hypnosis session. Mm -hmm. um, what a lot of people didn't realize is that a lot of the change was happening before the hypnosis even took place. Mm -hmm. And you could tell based on a person's language patterns. Uh, something would be subtle, like someone might come into the office saying, man, I'm really struggling with anxiety right now. I'm really overwhelmed right now. I just can't even handle it. And then by the end of our conversation, before the hypnosis had started, their language pattern would have shifted to more of a past tense. Like when I used to be really anxious, like before when I was really stressed out and you could see that shift happening. Okay. And um, then the, the hypnosis part, um, I kind of use the analogy. It's like you, you bake the cake and the hypnosis is putting the cake in the oven to actually um, rise and okay. whatnot. So a lot of the change happens before the hypnosis even occurs. And That's so interesting, but is that because you have like specific questions that you ask to already bring the client into that state? Or is that, like, do they subconsciously already do that because just from talking it helps them to... Well, talking can, talking can help. That's why, like, counseling can be really effective. Mm -hmm. But there's also another branch of hypnosis called NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic mm -hmm. Programming, mm -hmm. which is essentially hypnosis without trance. Mm -hmm. And you can get a lot of change... Um, happening just by how you talk to someone with the questions you're asking. And also there's a thing in counseling called motivational interviewing, which is the same sort of thing. You can mm -hmm. get like lots of really good mental changes happening just by a normal conversation. Okay. Um, the hypnosis was kind of cool and it created a, a state change, um, which would, in, it would solidify a lot of those changes, which is why, a lot of people would come to me, they would have been struggling with anxiety or sports performance for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then after only a couple sessions, they were, their problem was solved. Mm -hmm. And even if they had been in counseling for a long time, because they were just doing things in like not the, the greatest way. And mm -hmm. hypnosis was something different that they could try. Mm -hmm. um, does that sort of make sense? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm just, I'm super curious actually about hypnosis. Mm -hmm. um, I have a sister who's also, um, she's a pharmacist, but she also has her coaching practice. Mm -hmm. And she just did a self-hypnosis course. Oh, cool. Awesome. Um, so we've been talking a lot about it, but I've never experienced it myself. Um, and I've, But I've had a lot of interest around mm -hmm. hypnosis and wondering how that helps. And then I had a, 
um, a coaching peer that told me that she's doing NLP. So I've been hearing a lot about hypnosis. Mm -hmm. um, so let's say, for example, I have anxiety and I come to you. Um, what are there like maybe one or two things that you've seen that work really well that are really powerful? Mm -hmm. So two things are, are, are really powerful. Um, one, the, the homework that I gave almost every single client that saw me was mindfulness-based meditation. I was like, here is some MP3s. Here is exactly how you meditate. Mm -hmm. um, it is something that will help in the long term. Mm -hmm. And I gave that to people with anxiety, but also a lot of my pain management clients would mm -hmm. be really helped by mindfulness-based um, meditation. Okay. So that's the thing that I did a lot. But the other thing was... Um, let me explain how the, the brain works, uh, or at least one theory about how the brain works. <laughs> um, so to shift your brain into a, a heightened state of learning, you really need three things. You need um, novelty. If you are in a new experience, your brain is immediately like paying attention to things and is ready to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, two, repetition. So if you are exposed to things, a lot of times you'll learn whatever it is. That's why I like cramming for tests sort of works a little bit. Um, <laughs> And then the last thing is a heightened emotional state of some sort. Mm -hmm. And so if you can get those three things happening, then you can have someone learn something or unlearn something like uh, anxiety, anxious behaviors really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, let me tell you a quick story yes. uh, that illustrates this. Is when I was in my early 20s, um, I took... The first flight I ever had from Idaho to Seattle mm -hmm. to visit my girlfriend at the time. And the flight there was great. I was like, oh man, planes are awesome. This is so, so cool. But on the way back, uh, we hit some turbulence. Mm -hmm. And this is the very first time I'd ever experienced turbulence. So immediately, boom, we have the novelty. Like my brain's starting to pay attention. Like, whoa, the plane is shaking. Mm -hmm. This is kind of, kind of crazy. So we had That's a little bit, and, and a little bit scared. Um, the, then we had a little bit more turbulence within like about 20 seconds, and the plane just dropped a lot. So immediately we have the repetition of the turbulence happening. Okay. So my brain is really starting to learn now. And then three, we dropped really, really far, and people were screaming. I might have been screaming. <laughs> and it was very terrifying. I thought I was going to die. So you yeah. have that heightened emotional state of fear. Okay. And so after that point, I was terrified of planes for like the next seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I like used some self-hypnosis to mm -hmm. like cure that, um, that, uh, that fear. So like self-hypnosis is really great. But I learned that fear of flying within... 60 seconds and you can do the same sort of thing with hypnosis but instead of doing it in a terrifying way you are creating a heightened emotional state of extreme relaxation mm -hmm. when i am having someone in hypnosis i repeat different phrases in a really good way mm -hmm. uh, and then um, the novelty most people they've never met a medical hypnotist before this is the first time they've been in hypnosis so their brain is really paying attention and mm -hmm. so i have a lot of things stacked in my favor in order to get nice. change to happen. Okay. Um, which is why sometimes if someone is going to a counselor a long, a long time and they are almost making the problem worse sometimes, if the counselor is just having them 
rehash the same trauma, telling the same story again and again. That's just digging the, the kind of ripping, pathways. In ripping your, up the yep. <laughs> yes. every time, right? Yes. So um, that's why hypnosis is really good for like breaking that, that negative pattern. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a long roundabout story for your answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that. That's super interesting. Um, and one thing that I want to be really clear on, because we talked about this before we came on the podcast, is that we were saying you can't really not have anxiety. So we can't really cure anxiety or we can't yeah. really cure stress, mm -hmm. but we can learn how to manage it. Yeah, totally. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. Because you were just kind of saying, oh, and then we would cure their anxiety. Or, I don't know, you didn't use the word cure, but you know, you were saying yeah. we kind of worked on their anxiety. So how, yeah. how does that kind of combine and connect? Yeah, I view it sort of like, I love analogies because I was a hypnotist. <laughs> I, like, I view it like a bucket or a glass. And if you have... And, and like, this is, this is you. And then the stress or the anxiety is the liquid you pour into the glass. Mm -hmm. And so someone in a constant anxious state, it's like their glass or their bucket is constantly overflowing. Mm -hmm. And so by learning different strategies, it's not like your cup never fills up with water anymore, but you, you learn to do things to empty it more frequently. So it doesn't fill up nearly as fast. Oh, okay. And, um, so a good example of this is for about two years, I struggled with panic attacks and like extreme anxiety for a while. My, my glass was just overflowing all of the time. Mm -hmm. And I learned different strategies to empty my glass, coping strategies, uh, things like meditation, like going for walks, like exercise, like um, going to counseling, mm -hmm. all those different things. And mm -hmm. um, that allowed me to keep my glass pretty pretty empty most of the time. And so now I've, I can't remember the last time I had a panic attack. And for the most part, my life is pretty chill, but it's not yeah. completely stress-free, mm -hmm. but it's pretty, pretty chill. So yeah. I, I guess I don't like saying I have cured myself of anxiety, but it's just not a prominent problem in my life. Yeah. So I think I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And you were saying, I love that you said there's like these different coping mechanisms that you learn. Mm -hmm. And how often do you still do them in order to keep your glass? So I'm actually going to be making a podcast episode about this because okay. I'm a big proponent of meditation. I think a lot of people should learn this. It helps you manage things. But um, I have not consistently meditated like a, on a daily basis for about two months now. Mm -hmm. And uh, the main reason that I've stopped, even though I've meditated for years before this, was um, I want to do something different. Mm -hmm. And so I've given myself permission to do other things to manage my stress. So now I go for lots of walks. Uh, I'm learning to play the cello. So that's like musical to like help me manage stress. Mm -hmm. I also talk to people. I really have leaned into my friendships and just kind of being vulnerable with them. And so I just manage my stress in other ways. And I'm sure I'll come back to meditation eventually. But yeah. I think it's important to know, especially if you are a kind of type A person and you think I need to do all of these 10 things in order to manage anxiety, like no matter what, even if I don't like doing them anymore, that's not exactly true. So mm -hmm. um, my self-care routine changes. There's lots of times where I'll be doing yoga for six months or uh, I will be doing just bringing in different things, journaling a lot. Um, so it just depends on the, the flavor of the month, I suppose. Nice. Right. <laughs> well, I'm, and I'm glad that you're saying that because... I also, I've heard and obviously read a lot about meditation and I'm doing it kind of in my yoga practices, mm. 
but I'm not a person that really sits down here and and meditates. I do it when I go to sleep. I do yoga nidra. I don't know mm. if you know. That sounds super familiar. It's like it's kind of more like a deep relaxation. It's Is that like the, in the corpse pose and you just sort of like chill? You or? basically just sleep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it really helps you. That's why it helps you to sleep because you do kind of a body scan. Okay. And then it's a deep muscle relaxation. So they go through each um, muscle part in your body, and then. Yeah, it has kind of specific workings in the brain and it relaxes your whole body and you get into this really deep meditative state um, into the like the gamma the gamma brain waves. Okay. Um, yeah, and then it helps you kind of to, you know, relax and wind down, but also um, deal with past past trauma and things oh, like cool. that. And I really love that. I don't also do that all the time, but for example, when I'm stressed, when I'm traveling, I'm experiencing more stress. So usually I always go to sleep with a meditation. Uh, so I have like these kind of practices in my toolbox, I mm -hmm. guess. Um, anyway, so that's super interesting. Another question that I'm really curious to kind of tap with you into is men and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Because I have a lot of, um, obviously, you know, I have a lot of female podcast interview guests. Um, but obviously, not just women are um, experiencing anxiety and depression. Men do too. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about... Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it, I think anxiety manifests in different ways for different people. But with, if I were to generalize about men in general, the way it seemed to manifest in me is is anger. Like mm -hmm. I would oftentimes get angry about a lot of different things, and I just thought I was a moody, angry guy, and that that was just normal. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that there was a lot of stress and like hurt feelings there that I was masking with that anger. And so uh, I think if, if you consider yourself to have a big anger problem and you are a guy, I would question that. I'd be like, is that actually the case? Is there like a deeper emotion there? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not shy about saying that I, I go to therapy and my therapist was saying <laughs> that, that um, anger is usually a secondary emotion. Usually the primary emotion, the thing driving it is like pain, usually like emotional pain or sometimes okay. physical pain. So I think so that's stress basically yeah, stress. in some way. Exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 So uh, that's the, the biggest thing with, with guys. I think also with men, we can sometimes think that we want to be an island. Like that's, that's the image that's portrayed in Hollywood. I just watched Mad Max recently. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but he's a, a guy in a post-apocalyptic environment, and he's uh, the loner. He doesn't speak very much. People are trying to like oh, get I to know him. This video yeah, so <laughs> and he uh, so he he just wants to be the loner. I think a lot of men aspire to that. Like that's what people want. We want to be the action hero that doesn't need anyone. We can solve the problems. Mm -hmm. And, really strong mentally and physically. <laughs> yeah. But I think truly strong people know that it's okay to lean on others. And you can do things that manage your stress that aren't um, the traditional way. If, uh, let's see. So if yoga is not necessarily your thing, you think that's too girly, even though I do yoga all the time. I, I love it. Um Maybe try something like uh, jujitsu to get out your anger. I do lots of jujitsu too. Mm -hmm. So just do, you can experiment with different things to manage your stress. And that's the thing I probably talk about in my podcast a lot is experiment. Experiment, try different things. And if it works for you, great. Mm -hmm. 
If not, try something else. Yeah. So. Yeah. Great. And what, one of the thing, a couple of things that I'm kind of thinking about. First of all, you were saying when you feel really angry, maybe that's not. I also think like that's maybe also not who you are. Maybe you are questioning yourself. Hmm, am, am I? Do I really want to be this angry person? Is this really who I am? Because when I experienced my burnout last year, I experienced a lot of anger mm -hmm. as well, actually. Mm -hmm. And so it's really funny you say that. I've never thought about it that way. Um. But that's kind of how I realized that I that something was wrong with me mm -hmm. because I was like, I'm not really this angry person all the time. And now all of a sudden I feel like I'm on the edge all the time and I'm exploding for like super silly things. Um, is this really the person that I am? Mm -hmm. So maybe that's also kind of a good registration of, oh, maybe there's something that I should be looking at. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, a, a cool part of your story when we were talking earlier is you didn't even think that you were experiencing anxiety. You just thought that you were either burnt out or yes. that something was wrong. So it's funny how we um, we try those warning signs and yeah. we don't even necessarily know they're warning exactly. signs. Yeah, exactly. And so I wanted to say that as well with anxiety is that what what how anxiety showed for me is yes, I was maybe more angry and I had like trouble sleeping and all these different things. But for me, I could really feel the anxiety in kind of my stomach area. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I felt like I was constantly really nervous. Oh, so okay. I would like sit at the at my desk and work and I would feel like I have a thousand ants in my stomach and I would just be about giving a presentation to a thousand people. You know, mm -hmm. that's kind of how I constantly felt. But I didn't know what it meant. Yeah. Um, and so I've kind of felt the anxiety in my body and in my stomach. And I also felt it a lot when I was doing yoga but then once the doctor kind of highlighted that that was what anxiety was I could work on it mm -hmm. and it's always about this like you have to be aware first and then you can start kind of testing out what works for you in order to decrease mm -hmm. that level mm -hmm. um, and it took me a while because I didn't take any medication or anything mm -hmm. I just self-soothed and self-cared and all these things um, to like get that feeling away um, and I don't have it anymore but as soon as it comes up I can I know now that I'm oh, anxious, so it's almost you know? like a war like a warning sign. Yeah, now it's a warning sign for oh, me. Interesting. And it's like, oh hey, like maybe you're starting to get a little like, you know, obviously you have like the short bursts of you're having a presentation, obviously you feel a little nervous before. Yeah. But if I constantly have that over a few couple of days, I'm like, oh maybe my stress levels are too high and I need to mm -hmm. do something to kind of fill like empty my glass a little bit. Yeah, so when you started um, managing your anxiety better and, and reducing it. How did that feeling go away? Did it go away like all at once? Was it like sometimes you just noticed it was gone? Did it like reduce in intensity? Like how how was that like healing process for mm. you? Good question. I think it was almost like a pain in my stomach. Like I would, for example, do the bridge um, in yoga, mm -hmm. and I would really feel like I had like a crampy kind of feeling in my stomach area all the time. Mm -hmm. And I would say it kind of slowly reduced, and now I don't have it at all anymore, mm -hmm. except. And I think that's maybe that was already kind of the longer term signal that it was kind of always there. Now I kind of feel it more as kind of an anxious, nervous kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, where, where like, um, what is it called? Like, um, before you're going on stage. Oh, like butterflies. But, yeah, yeah. yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, but I don't have like kind of the pain anymore. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would say it took a while to kind of decrease that mm -hmm. and to work with it and be aware, bring awareness to that and bring breathing into that and all these different strategies and then yeah, so, kind of slowly faded away I guess. So when it comes to um, to you started doing these things to help your anxiety 
I think a lot of people are like, they try something, it's just not working at first. Mm -hmm. So like, how did you have the patience to mm -hmm. continue? Because I'm sure that it was not an immediate thing no, that, was, that, that cured itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, also great question. I think I was at a, on a medical leave for three months. So I had a lot of time to experiment um, and I did yoga, um, but I also really created this morning practice, my morning routine, which consists of not being on my phone for the first hour in the morning, okay. drinking some water um, and journaling. It's a very important tool um, for me because I have a lot of thoughts on my mind all the time and I kind of need to write them down to get them out of my head. Mm -hmm. And before I start the day, that really calms me. Um, but yeah, I just kind of tested, I feel like I tested out different things and I'm stuck with the things where I really felt the benefit. And now I'm like, I'm, I'm really keen. Like I get up in the morning, I'm really keen to do my morning practice mm -hmm. and I feel really accomplished after that first hour in the morning. And I feel really like I'm calm mm -hmm. and I can start to kind of bring my energy out. Mm. Um, yeah. Is there any, your question? Yeah, it does. <laughs> and is there any times, because morning routines are fascinating for mm -hmm. me. Is there any times where you wake up and you're like, ugh, I just don't want to do my morning routine? Or is it something that you always look forward to? And yeah, how is that yeah. for you? I always look forward to my morning routine. Do and you have, oh, can you describe it a little bit more? Like what are the different parts mm -hmm. of it? Components? So I get up, I make my bed, okay. um, and I kind of leave my phone on the side because I... I am European, um, so overnight I always get messages from my family and my okay. friends yeah, yeah. and, you know, obviously things on social media happen and um, I just felt like I always give my energy out immediately. Like I roll to the bed, like I roll over, take my phone from the bedside table and start like spending like 30 minutes kind of wildly going through all these different messages that I have received. And I felt like I, that's kind of just how my stress already built up and I wasn't even out of bed yet. Mm -hmm. And then I started my day usually hustling to like get all the other things done <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. I would get to work and I would be like super stressed out already, right? And yeah. that's how you start your day. So that's why I decided to not do that and to kind of be really, really, really um, strict with myself to not look at my phone. So I have to ask, yeah. I stop you. Yeah. is your uh, sleep alarm on your phone or do you have like an outside alarm um, I go to bed really early yeah. <laughs> and I usually get up um, on my own. Oh, naturally? Okay, uh, naturally. Cool. Right. Um, or if I really have to get up, um, I do have my alarm clock on my phone, but I'm really, I don't look at the messages. I literally okay. like switch, like I, you know, I just hit stop and then I put it back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So after you, you get up, keep your phone away, what's the next part of it? And then I go to the bathroom, do kind of my morning routine in the bathroom, mm -hmm. um, and then go downstairs, have a glass of warm lemon water, mm -hmm. um, because I'm dehydrated overnight, I usually sleep a long time, I'm a highly sensitive person, um, so I usually need a little bit more hours of sleep, I always say per night, mm -hmm. <laughs> to, you know, to kind of go, go through all the things that happen during the yeah. day, so I really like eight, nine, ten hours of oh, sleep. Oh, that's great, yeah. Um, and then I sit down and I journal um, and I write down the things that I really love to do. Um, I write down the things that I did, like maybe things that I've been worrying about or the things that I, that bother me or accomplishments from the last day. It's always about kind of the last day and sometimes about the day ahead. Okay. Um, and then I always finish with um, gratitude practice and I write down at least three things that I'm grateful for that day. Um, and I'm trying to always find something that's new. I'm oh, always cool. trying to do something. I'm always trying to write something down that is new to, to me. So, yeah. 
Yeah, so you feel like energized after yeah. that point. Mm -hmm. I like that. And then it could be, you know, sometimes my my morning routine in the bathroom is like I have to take a shower and you know wash my hair and all these things. And so sometimes my morning routine is two hours. Mm. Or even if I, for example, record podcasts and YouTube videos in the morning, I don't look at any messages for the first three or four hours in the day mm. because I just want to be really, really focused with just this, you know, and not and not give my energy out because I'm always telling myself. You know, people have waited for my answer, so mm. it's okay if they wait another two hours. It's mm. not gonna change their life, but it will positively change my life because I choose how I am going to spend my day, and I'm proactive mm -hmm. instead of just reactively answering all the different messages. Mm -hmm. You just answered my question. I was, gonna, <laughs> I was gonna ask like, how you combat that? That like, oh, I'm 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 needed. How do I, I need to answer people mm -hmm. right away? But it sounds like. That's a really good, it, yeah. they, they've waited already, they exactly. can wait a little bit longer. Yeah, it's like taking the power back, you know, and that's what, mm. a lot what I'm teaching as well when I'm going to companies, because obviously, especially when you work for companies, it's a lot of reaction, 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 reaction to all of the things that are coming your way. Um, and I think when you take the power back into your own hands and choose what you want to do and be more strategic about it and be more prior, like prioritize and do the things that you think are important, you will feel more accomplished at the end of the day as well. Mm. Do you have any sort of evening routine or anything you do at the end of the day? Um, that depends more on my state of mind, I would say. Um, sometimes I don't need it because I kind of just wind down naturally. I usually try to finish work around five or six o'clock in the evening, especially as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Kind of tricky, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I have a dog, so I take her out um, usually for a walk and I love walks and I obviously live in a really beautiful place. So um, I try to get 10,000 steps a day. Um, so I'm always going out in nature to get oxygen and then just spend time um, either with friends or with my fiance. Um, and then before I go to bed, I usually have a routine as well, like how I'm getting ready and then how I'm getting to bed. When I'm feeling really stressed, like it always depends on my stress levels. And now that I'm more aware of it, I know how to manage it. So if I'm feeling really stressed, then I will be a lot more aware about not looking at my phone maybe for the last one or two hours mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day too, um, to just kind of wind down from a digital perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then get ready, go to bed, maybe read something. Um, but I'm, a lot of the things that I'm reading are kind of connected to my business. So sometimes mm. that really hypes me up again <laughs> because I'm like, oh, I have so many ideas and it's all so interesting. So I actually try to read like a silly magazine, you know, you know? <laughs> yeah. like something that doesn't kind of feed my brain. Um, or I do like a yoga and a drum meditation. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, do you think that a morning routine is essential? Okay, so the camera just stopped here for a second. <laughs> um, so we're just kind of wrapping this question up maybe. Um, but yeah, I was just talking about how routines are really important um, mm -hmm. and that you can do the routine no matter at what point during the day. I'm really a morning person. I love to get up in the morning mm. um, and I love to get up early and I love to do all of these different things, but I totally get it if people don't like that. Mm. And I think as long as you do a routine and you are very mm, strict is maybe not the right word, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like you're really dedicated to it mm -hmm. and, and you kind of keep on doing that and you feel the benefits of it, it will be really powerful for you. Yeah. So just having some sort of time where it's um, that you are 
not focused on your, I guess focused on yourself, yeah. focused on your mental health. Yeah, I mean, focus on very, your mental health and mm-hmm. focusing on your on your cup instead of all the other cups that yeah. you're trying to fill, yeah. right? Yeah. Or empty or whatever it is. So. Yeah, I remember um, when I was seeing a lot of different clients that were parents and stuff, um, in priority, they're, they're, themselves were usually a very low priority. It was their, their kids, their job, yes. their, their spouse was just much higher than them. And mm-hmm. so sometimes that's a whole struggle to be like, hey, if you take care of your own cup, mm-hmm. then you're going to be much better at helping everyone else. Too. Yeah, exactly. So. That's my message as well. And I love how you started to interview me. <laughs> yeah, we are so curious and we're just getting to know each other. So thanks for all the good questions as well. Yeah. And I always have a few questions at the end of each podcast for my podcast interview guests. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of move into that. Sure. Um, and the first question is always, what are you most grateful for? I am most grateful for... Um, my health right now, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I just recently had an uncle pass away from like cancer and I have like some grandparents that are having Alzheimer's and, you know, I've had different injuries in my own life where, um, like if you broke, break something or what have you, but my body for the most part is pretty darn good. My joints are pretty darn good mm-hmm. and my, uh, I'm mentally sharp enough too. And, um, I know it won't, always be this way and Mm so i'm just very very grateful for that and for my cat teddy he's a uh, siberian (laughs) cat and uh he's just an absolute brute so okay cool and do you have three maybe rules or guidelines or wisdoms that you live your life by and that you would like to share with the others that's a good question um i would say Hmm, that was a really good question. Um, that it's okay to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That vulnerability and authenticity are super key. Uh, the other bit of wisdom would be... Go- Can I stop you there? Yeah, go ahead. Actually? Yeah. I actually love that you're saying that, especially as men, because mm-hmm. I feel like men are always scared a little bit to be vulnerable or you haven't really learned maybe to be vulnerable from a societal perspective as well and to show feelings mm-hmm. um is that something that you had to learn or oh yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> definitely <laughs> i had i think i had to fight against the um the wanting to be the, the action hero the stoic person that in fact i for a long time i was into stoicism mm-hmm. which is where that word comes from um where you just try and manage your emotions you try and like if you're feeling something strong you try and smash it down and just act very like i don't know and so now i think it's much better just to feel all emotions to express them however that is mm-hmm. and other people connect with you when you do that mm-hmm. and i've been really lucky that some some close people i look up to and some leaders and some mentors have been vulnerable enough to to show me that as an example so mm-hmm. if you only have the example of people that are just hiding their emotions that's going to be kind of tough so yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Great. um the other bit of advice would be actually to read the book meditations by marcus aurelius which he's actually uh someone that uh is a big proponent of stoicism he actually okay. <laughs> helps <laughs> found it which i know sounds counterintuitive but um there's lots of really good advice and modern cognitive behavioral therapy is based on stoicism and it's all really kind of helping to manage your mind and analyze your thoughts and it's just a great book just to pick up and you can read any little passage and it seems mm. to help so mm. um 
And last one is to try meditation. Um, that's my little bit of advice. I think okay. meditation is really good for so many different things. Yeah. yeah. And um, how? What is the what is the difference between self hypnosis and meditation? Is is there a difference actually, or is that something that's actually really similar? That's a good question. Uh, I'll answer it two ways. One, they've done a study where they recorded. Um, a guided meditation and with one group of people they said this is a guided meditation to help with XYZ okay. for the other group they said this is a self-hypnosis to help with XYZ oh. same recording for both but the people where it was called hypnosis found it to be much more effective so there's definitely some sort of placebo effect going mm -hmm. on there mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of overlap what you just described with the yoga nidra um, that is a very common hypnotic induction i would do which is just like progressive muscle relaxation mm -hmm. and the only big difference is with hypnosis where someone is guiding you into hypnosis um you don't have to think as much and if they're a good hypnotist they're also doing certain things that um will help the change happen um, mm -hmm. It would be sort of like maybe going to the gym. Uh, that's a really bad analogy, but I'll continue with it. Yeah. Um, you can by, you can get to the, the the gym many different ways, but when you're there, um, you can work out effectively or not effectively. And so I would say that you can get to that space of re deep relaxation with meditation, mm -hmm. but. Um, you can do the same thing with hypnosis by getting into a deep state and then doing work while you're in that deep state. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know if that analogy makes sense, but yeah, <laughs> that's what I got from I, it. But I get it. And so do you do self-hypnosis if you feel like there's something that you can't really break um, in your kind of mental state or something? Um, I don't do self-hypnosis in the traditional way that it's taught, which is to put yourself into hypnosis and then do um, kind of mentally guide yourself mm -hmm. i don't like that what i do is i record a hypnosis session okay so it's almost like someone is guiding you so i don't have to think about it a lot because mm -hmm. when you're thinking too much it's like it kind of pulls you out of it a little bit yeah. so um that's why i recommend and um, that's why i never really taught self-hypnosis to my clients because mm -hmm. i mean it is effective but i just don't find it to be as enjoyable so okay yeah. <laughs> and you would get out of a job if you would teach them well yeah i suppose <laughs> I always wanted to work myself out of a job. Yeah. <laughs> so. And so the next question, maybe you already partly answered, is, is is there a book that changed your life or that you have read and picked up many times and it always helps you? Yeah, there's, there's two, which is uh, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And actually there is a modern transition translation called The Emperor's Handbook. That is the best translation if someone's listening to this and wants to get it. Okay. Um, but there's another book that started a lot of this, which is the Hagakure, which is a book written by a samurai who kind of practiced Bushido, which is a samurai sort of philosophy. Uh -huh. And um, I don't necessarily recommend it, but that's I've read it a bunch. Samurai are crazy. They're just crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but there is some interesting concepts in that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they're not the most mentally stable individuals. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's one of my gateway books, I suppose. Okay, okay great. So what's next for you? Um, what's next for me is just uh, continuing to record episodes for my podcast, Shut Up Brain, I'm working hard on YouTube, and eventually I will be releasing a course on anxiety sometime in the next six months. That's uh, the game plan. Okay. And enjoying my vacation here in beautiful Tahoe. So. Nice. Very nice. <laughs>
So if people are listening to this now and they want to find you, so definitely shut up brain um, on podcast. Mm -hmm. Where else can they find you or get in touch with you? Uh, you can email me ben at brilliantside.com or just go to brilliantside.com. Instead of bright side, it's brilliant side. Uh, that's what I usually say. Uh, and um, or find me on YouTube, just Ben at Brilliant Side. And yeah, I love connecting with people, having conversations. That's why I do all of this stuff is to to help people and to a lot of people help me too through their mm -hmm. own journey and, sure. and whatnot. So. Yeah, I can relate to that as well. Well, it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks you so much for coming. I'm so excited to have you in my little video setup studio today, and um, I hope we'll be in touch. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be extremely happy and grateful if you could leave me a comment and a five-star rating. If you know someone who would benefit from the information I talked about today, please feel free to share it with them, no matter if it is your friends, your colleagues and or your family members. You will always find all links and a summary of the podcast in the show notes. It would be great if we could connect on Instagram or via email. You can find all details of how to find me in the show notes as well. In that way, you can also send me any questions that you might have. And as I mentioned, I also have a wonderful YouTube channel now where you can post comments and questions. So please reach out. I'm glad you're listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for your trust. With gratitude, Julia.